Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road. And uh, it's raining today here. It's actually qu- quite warm. Uh, the past couple of days was in the 50s, but that is going to change tonight. And it's going to get down to 17, and we're supposed to get some snow tomorrow. But I have the final tally in for the 2021 uh, rain gauge rain gauge or the amount of rain we got in our farm is probably a more accurate way of me saying it and in 2021 on our farm we received 62 62.15 inches of rain so that is pretty good the um i guess the average for warren county is around 48 inches so we're a little bit uh well i guess uh what do you figure uh 62 14 uh almost 20 inches above average right so uh not 20 inches of bad math in my head (laughs) listen um i want to wish you again a belated happy new year in all of the lord's blessings in 2022 i'm a little bit off kilter today which is not unusual for me because the my modem went out on for the internet and we have optimum and as i am recording this show the um I'm scheduled to have, I lease or rent the equipment from Optimum, not the podcasting equipment, but the modem and the router. And they, I don't think they charge you 10 or $12 a month or something for it. And somebody could say, well, you could go buy one cheaper than that. But, you know, I've learned to uh, pick my fights and I'd rather pay 10 or $12 a month, which is tax deductible, right? And if there's a problem, let the guy come here and set everything up and not, not fool around and calling on the phone and what have you. So, the thing is that why I'm telling you that is that normally when I record my podcast or my radio show, I disconnect the telephone because I record from my office and I disconnect the phone line so the phone doesn't ring and occasionally I've forgotten to do that and uh, but the show has been interrupted with a ring. But I left it in today because I'm trying to get this show done before he arrives and uh, they give you a window of like three hours so i'm trying to get it done before that i'm not going to sacrifice the quality but if you hear the phone ring or he knocks on the door and i end up bringing it to a close after the technical content is delivered then uh you will understand that i ask for your forgiveness so uh that is what that is about and i'm excited i'm be going this week or I, by the time you listen to this, I would have gone already to the Keystone Farm Show in York, Pennsylvania. I'm excited about going there and uh, seeing that. And as, uh, hey, it's January, right? So the farm show seasons are starting and uh, hoping to go to Commodity Classic and uh, the National Farm Machinery Show. And uh, God willing, none of that stuff gets uh, gets canceled. So if you're going to be at any of those events, please just send me an email at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and we could uh, plan on meeting and shaking hands and maybe having a cup of coffee or something together and talk some equipment, learn about you, learn about your farm, your operation, what you're doing, wherever you are. would love to, uh, to know that. And also keep in mind that uh just send me an email at that same address hotrodfarmerfarmmachinerydigest.com and let me know where you are listening from and you could have the first pin in the map for 2022 so as you know and if you're new to the show i just want to find out where my audience is listening from so that i can uh better serve you and so i know what's going on in your neck of the woods and i have a map in my office and i put a push pin in in as near as that location as i could glean lots of people there i mean the small towns rural areas obviously out in the farm or the ranch so as close as i could glean to that and i put a push pin in with your name and then i will announce you on the podcast and the radio show and if you do not want to be announced that is fine also no issue with that whatsoever i would just want the pin in my map and you could just say may my name is joe i'm in kalispell montana area and i know nothing more about you that's that's cool also no problem what what whatsoever hey i just you know the other day if you've listened to my show you know i go down to the ta truck stop in columbia in the morning which is about 20 miles away and i like to walk around a lot there and uh, i try to walk four times which would be from what i could glean is probably close to two miles 
depends how much <laughs> he zigzag and um but there was a gorgeous gorgeous at the fuel pump the other day 2021 a western star and uh, it had a dd16 i wasn't aware that they had a detroit diesel 16 liter so it was a dd because he had a from the factory it had a badge on the on the hood or maybe it was on was on the hood probably was on the hood yeah and it said 600 horsepower detroit diesel and the guy came out the dry the owner came out from the fuel desk and i was able to talk to him truck was drop dead gorgeous he was pulling a beautiful reefer trailer uh alcohol aluminum wheels on the truck it was red and black it was a beautiful dark red and it had black glossy black front fenders and you know normally you wouldn't i wouldn't think i'd like a two-tone like that but it looked, it looked very very rich uh just beautiful rig and beautiful trailer uh reefer spread axle aluminum wheels on it michelin tires all around first class first class operation brandy brandy well not brandy new almost a year old he said but brandy new as far as i'm concerned and just what a gorgeous truck those western stars are beautiful beautiful looking rig i mean that's uh that's really uh you know so many times like the freight liners and well not so much to pack our stuff but the, the freight liners and everything the casadillas and they, i mean they're nice looking trucks but they became almost like fleet trucks and you know you, i've never seen a fleet western star if it is a fleet it's a a, a smaller fleet so it's just a classy classy uh beautiful rig so uh, hopefully god willing he does and makes a lot of money with it and let me see what else and uh i guess that's basically it it's uh, the one year anniversary of my radio show so i want to thank you so much to the people who do listen to that and if you don't listen to the radio show because you ha- don't have sirius xm it's on sirius xm channel 147 rural radio and through their app also you don't need to have a um uh, xm receiver in your vehicle or tractor you could get it through your app through an app i think it's like ten dollars a month or something but anyway uh but those shows are all posted on my website farmmachineredigest.com so the back episodes of the radio show are posted there so i'd be honored if you give that a listen and uh so it is one year that uh one year that the show was on the air so i am grateful to uh, well thank god i thank god for that and i thank god for for the people who do listen to it and who listen to my idle chatter podcast and visit my website so what is today's show going to be about well what is excuse me what i want to talk about today is i want to answer the question that that i guess a lot of people are asking but they're not they're not emailing me and asking me that or what have you but i want to answer the question is fuel injection better than a carburetor and that's the age-old question you know if you get obviously well since 1986 1987 let's say 87 was really the last year because gm had some carbureted engines ford had a couple of carbureted engines yet so after 1987 so we'll say 1988 on for the most part there was there were no road vehicles uh, light duty road vehicles uh cars pickup trucks vans what have you that had a carburetor they were all fuel injected in some way shape or form and then you know you talk to someone excuse me even people that are in the trade and they think that all of the <clears throat> excuse me i have to clear my throat for a second okay i'm back throats work act, acted up i guess nothing's changed with the new year but uh you know you talk to people even in the trade and they they attribute every gain that we've seen with internal combustion engines with power with efficiency uh with everything and it's oh it's fuel injected it's fuel injected and then a lot of smaller engines now are becoming fuel injected and then i even had a listener contact me a while back because i did i did a topic that was kind of similar to this but a few, probably a month or two ago and i and the, uh, the listener contacted me and, and he said that because i said oh there's no fuel injected chainsaws well the thing basically he, he contacted me and told me there is a fuel injected chainsaw that steel makes one and i did look that up so uh so in essence what i am going to hopefully debunk today in this episode is i'm going to ask the question is fuel injection better than a carburetor uh 
Now, keep in mind that we're going to be talking about gasoline fuel injection. We're not going to be talking about diesel fuel injection because that's a whole different ballgame because of the, the dynamics of combustion of the diesel fuel. So in one way, shape, or form, a diesel has been fuel injected, whether it's a mechanical pump line nozzle system or a common rail electronic system or a hybrid in between that. But what we are going to discuss today is we're going to debunk. So when you're talking to your buddies, you're talking to your friends, or your hot rod farmers, and you say, that's fuel injected. And if you even remember the Beach Boys, and what car guy, no matter what area you're from, doesn't like the Beach Boys. And if you're a long, younger listener, you got to check out some of those songs from the early 60s all right and you know because that was like the the, the heyday of uh, of the auto culture the car culture in the united states that that the early early to mid 1960s and then by the late 1960s it started to wane uh but there were so many car songs i mean she's real fine my 409 uh mustang sally uh drag city a uh, little gto i mean there's so many so many great car songs uh shut down right shut down was a great song uh with the beach boys a uh, little old lady from pasadena and uh, it was wonderful wonderful time and even though that i was you know was not of age at that era though just being born but you know 10 12 years later 14 years later growing up you know i would listen to the oldie stations and then we got our driver's licenses my friend glenn nadell and gene worst the three of us we were like the uh, three i couldn't say the bopsy twins but we were like the uh, the three musketeers and uh, you know we listened to the oldies and work on our cars and what have you and pulling carburetors apart and taking motors apart while listening to uh, listening to all those oldies so it was a wonderful wonderful time and with the internet today if you're not familiar with that era or you happen to even if you are of an age where you should where you could have been familiar with it but you lived in a different part of the country where they really didn't play that top 40 type of music that was one thing about living here on the east coast is that though we were in a rural area our culture got influenced by by new york city and philadelphia because new jersey by itself is not a large state it's only about 160 miles from north to south and about 75 miles wide from east to west so to the east is new york city and then from the to the south is philadelphia and back then everything was predominantly am radio so you definitely you know that signal would would travel and you'd be able to get it but anyway you know they used to sing in the songs well and uh, in the song shutdown there's a 413 well mopar dodge racing street racing right street racing a fuel injected corvette and it goes you know and uh and so they talk about being fuel injected and brag about it so well, so many times people think that fuel injection is the end all of everything and uh <clears throat> it's like anything in life you have to look at you have to look at it through a certain prism through a certain metric and what you were trying to accomplish and <clears throat> i taught fuel injection for many years and i used to tell people hey you know we won world war ii with carbureted engines so they can't be that bad so the question i'm going to ask you today or not going to ask you it's it's a uh, rhetorical question you know is fuel injection better than a carburetor and hopefully within the next half hour or so you'll get some idea of whether it is or isn't or maybe that question cannot even be answered because it's two different two different uh methods of fueling an engine all right so let's look at the history uh the recent history of fuel injection and its impetus of coming across the board on production engines and now going into smaller engines like i said lawn tractors or chainsaws right <laughs> chainsaws and uh other things but the fact of that is that the impetus for fuel injection was to try to uh, eliminate the weak points of a carburetor and now a carburetor by itself is a wonderful wonderful instrument and it does a fantastic job of preparing the fuel for combustion and we have to remember that gasoline needs to be atomized which means broken down into small particles but still in a liquid form it needs to be emulsified <clears throat> which means mixed with air and then it then it needs to be vaporized which is turns into a vapor which is a gaseous state a rarefied form it's no longer liquid 
So those three things need to happen to gasoline regardless of what type of fuel system delivery there is, whether it's injected or whether it's carburetor or throttle body injection, which is a hybrid carburetor and throttle body, a high carburetor and fuel injection. <clears throat> so now those three things need to happen to gasoline for it to be a combustible, a suitable fuel. In engineering, we use the word suitable. So a suitable fuel for combustion in an engine, a spark ignition engine. Now, the impetus for the industry to move to fuel injection was really based upon emission strategies and first number one emissions and number two for fuel economy now the thing basically is is that what needs to be understood is that as far as fuel economy is concerned fuel injection whether it's gasoline direct injection or port injection to the most part really does not have that much of an upper hand if at all over a carburetor for fuel economy contrary to what people may believe and as far as power is concerned it really doesn't have that much of an upper hand over a carburetor as uh, when it comes to making engine power and there's and there's also a lot of detriments or negatives with fuel injection as far as making engine power is concerned <clears throat> over a carburetor but where it really does shine and which was the true catalyst for it to be introduced across the board was with emission standards so the thing is that a carburetor is considered a wet flow fuel system so there's air and fuel coursing the intake manifold runner and into the port of the intake port of the cylinder head <clears throat> excuse me regardless of the size of the engine or its application now the thing basically is is that if you were to have a steady state engine so an engine that's going to run constantly at one rpm and not a transient state engine so anything on a road vehicle and even a farm tractor is considered transient but specifically a road vehicle because you're, you're stepping on a throttle you're off the throttle you're in the throttle the transmission is shifting you're going up a hill down a hill you're coasting so the throttle is constantly being manipulated uh, and that is what's called transient operation so with the load is being changed the engine speed is being changed and the throttle plate is being changed the angle of the throttle plate so now with a carburetor what is happening is because the fuel and air is being introduced into the plenum of the intake manifold and the plenum is the common area and then there is a runner what they call a runner which is a passageway to each port intake port of the cylinder head so the fuel and air is being introduced through the carburetor into the plenum and then the plenum is going to distribute it so it's a manifold just like you'd have a manifold on a sprayer you have a you have you have a feed coming from the tank it goes into a manifold and it goes to the different they go to different booms or different areas on the sprayer so the manifold basically is a, distri a distribution center for something so the and uh so the term manifold is used throughout the different pieces of equipment but we kind of just think of it as an exhaust manifold or intake manifold on some sort of internal combustion engine so what happens is that there is a transient time from the plenum to the runner of the cylinder head then from the runner of the cylinder into the cylinder itself and that transient time that transit time i should say not transient transit time that travel distance is what spelled the death knell to a carburetor based upon a transient operating engine so a road vehicle a car a pickup truck and what would basically happen is that you would it, the carburetor would respond to a, a condition and there was an there was an inherent lag between the time that the fuel was delivered the fuel air mixture the the vaporized fuel air mixture with the vaporization takes place due to the latent heat of vaporization which is heat from the engine you need heat to vaporize a liquid into a gaseous state gaseous being rarefied i keep repeating that because i don't want you to confuse that with gasoline and there's so basically in essence the analogy that i like to make is uh when i teach this would be so let's say arguably you have you get the phone bill in the mail and you get the phone bill on the 15th and it's due on the 30th and on the 28th you mail a check to the phone company 
all right? So you paid the bill. You paid it on time because it's not due to the 30th. You paid it in the 28th. But the post office, whatever, has a delay. We won't get there. Has a delay in getting that letter. And hey, it's maybe going to Ohio and you're in Maryland and or you're in Maine and you should have given it more transit time to get there, right? And so the first comes, the second comes, the third comes, and then the phone company calls you up and leaves you a semi-stern message saying that they did not receive your payment as of yet and then they always end uh they always end i mean not that i have a habit of getting these but i have i have gotten them over the years like anybody else that i would be lying if i said i didn't and always ends well if you already sent your payment and please ignore this message so the the lag time by the time you wrote the check and got in the mail and then a transit time for the post office there may have been a snowstorm or what have you or maybe the post office delivered it on a saturday and that office isn't open till monday the phone company and by the time they process it is tuesday so that it was on their premises but they didn't process it so that's really what happens with a carburetor the carburetor itself is going to respond to the load demand of the engine and it's going to create a mixture like you sending a check and it's going to course through the intake manifold and it's going to be en route to the cylinder and this all works fine because it but what and the engine runs and it runs fine there's no issue whatsoever but once you start to look and want to try to control the emissions from that engine it's very critical that you eliminate that lag time so it's just like if you have a high yield farmer all right he's going to really watch his crop and it's the first sign of something if it needs if it needs nitrogen if it needs boron if it needs zinc he's going to respond to it he's not he's going to be right there like 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 a like a waiter in a in a fancy expensive restaurant he's standing right there and as soon as your glass is out of water he he runs there and fills the glass back up with water you don't have to call him over well with the carburetor because the mixture is being formed and created over in the carburetor and has to course through those runners then there is no lag time so what may happen excuse me is that the mixture is going to swing richer and leaner than is required for the engine to run properly so well i shouldn't say run properly because it's going to run properly you are not going to notice that but the emissions will be end up the will whip, be whip soaring all over the place the hydrocarbons may go high the co may go high the co may go low what have you so the thing is that the emissions are going to are going to vary but you are not going to be able to perceive that in driving the car or driving the pickup truck or whatever the application may be so if we now get rid of the carburetor and we put an injector right at the juncture of which is a port fuel injector right at the juncture of the intake manifold and the cylinder head and that is where the fuel is going to be introduced then into the airstream so it's what they call a dry flow system because there's only air coursing the runners of the intake manifold up until that juncture of the cylinder head and the intake manifold then we could respond very quickly and we're eliminating that leg time because it's not the air that's the issue it's the air and fuel mixed together so if we don't put the <clears throat> excuse me put the fuel into the last the last part of the journey right <clears throat> last part of the journey then we don't have an issue with that we could say go green go go leaner go richer what have you so that is the main reason why the industry has gone to fuel injection it's not for power it's not for fuel economy per se it's to control have a better rain a better control on the emission strategy so basically in essence to make an agrarian um example of this it would be like having a field that has yield all over the place and be able to say well we're going to stabilize this yield we're going to bring the we're going to bring the low areas up to the high areas not necessarily bring the high areas up and bring it all even and that is the main reason for fuel injection then also because of it needs its electronics or needs some sort of controller that in engineering we have a term called degrees of freedom and degrees of freedom just means input or adjustability so 
You could say, well, a seat in the car, if it goes back and forth, it has two degrees of freedom. It goes back and it goes forward. If the steering wheel tilts up and down, it's got two degrees of freedom. If it tilts up and down and then telescopes out, comes out towards you and then back, then it's got four degrees of freedom. So four areas of adjustability. So by doing this, whereas a carburetor functioned 100% on the the laws of physics, the pressure differential between what was created in the intake manifold from the movement of the pistons and the atmospheric pressure, whereas fuel injection uses uses inputs and then controls the opening of the injector, which is called a pulse width, based upon all of the data. So it's it's more advanced. But I will tell you one thing. If you had a steady state engine, so let's say you were running an irrigation pump, <clears throat> if you were running a uh, a welder or a compressor and you had a, you had an engine that's going to run at a steady speed let's say whatever 1800 rpm 24 hours a day whatever maybe well whatever for an hour for five minutes and it wasn't truly transient then you would then the benefit of having to to quickly control this mixture to keep the emissions reined in really goes out the window so I'm not going to say that you'd see no inherent benefit from it, but 95, 99% of it goes out the window. So it's the transient operation, and it's also the cold start. And it's not so, because you could, at 40 below zero, you get an engine to start with a carburetor. If everything is set properly, no problem whatsoever. It'll probably it'll start just as quick or quicker than, than an injected engine. But the fact of the, but the fact of the matter is, is that the carburetor needs a richer mixture during what is called the transient time. All right, the transition time, the intermediate time between intermediate is truly the word that they use to identify the, the, the coolant and air temperature in the engine from cold start to operating temperature so they call that the intermediate states and uh because now the engine the coolant is not 40 below zero it's 100 it's 50 degrees plus or it's 60 degrees it's 70 degrees so the air fuel ratio during warm-up because of it traveling through that cold intake manifold needs to be a lot richer so there's definitely a but then again it comes to an emission control strategy not so much a drivability or a or a a fuel economy or power strategy it's an emission strategy to be able to get that mixture to 14.7 to 1 which is stoichiometric which means that it's the highest level of chemical to mechanical energy conversion of the fuel and the catalytic converter needs to see a stoichiometric mixture of 14.7 to 1 to have an efficient conversion rate so for it to basically scrub the exhaust if you go above or below 14.7 to 1 then the catalytic converter is nowhere near as efficient so that gets back to the same thing is that when we have that inherent lag time with a carburetor that you're dousing the catalyst and you're you're putting a lot of emissions in it maybe co if it's rich and then hc if it's if it's uh on on the closed on d cell so what happens is that um it varies all over the place so just like you want to have the output of your 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 yield to be stable across the field you'll want the, the, the yield monitor bouncing all over the place because you talk about right in engineering we talk about area under the curve or as a farmer you talk about area under the curve because if you have one part of the field that's making 500 bushels per acre the other part is making 100 bushels per acre if you could maybe not get it all to 500 but get the 100 up to 300 still keep the 500 at 500 then you're going to have more area under the curve you can have a higher total yield for the for that field and the same thing would happen is that if you could stabilize and bring the range that the the emissions are always going to skew up and down based up unless it's a steady state engine but if you would have it any transient operation even with a chainsaw so you're going so with that fuel injected chainsaw that steel chainsaw that the listener which i sadly i i have i don't recall your name so please sir don't be in don't be insulted i should have looked it up before i did the show but um but you know you're you're revving the chainsaw up and now you're you're buried into a log right so it's going like that that's even though the throttle usually when we say it's transient we're talking about the throttle opening closing when you're running a chainsaw you and you're loading it 
you you got the throttle wide open, but the load itself is making the engine be transient because it's slowing it down and then speeding it up, and the fuel delivery needs to compensate for that. So with a carburetor, if you need it rich enough under load, as it, the load starts to come off, <clears throat> so you're cutting using a chainsaw, for example, and you're cutting through that log, or it's, it's starting to get a good bite and the RPM is starting to come up, well, then the mixture will probably be richer than optimal. Not that the engine isn't going to run fine, richer and optimal there because it's still fueled for the loaded condition. Whereas with injection, if you have some range of, of control, then, then it, it could keep it more stable. But keep in mind that every injection system so an injection system of yes a fuel injected chainsaw is not going to have the control on the fuel like a, a 2022 ford pickup truck all right so so just because it's injected it doesn't mean that there's a range of that there's that much range of control <clears throat> the range of control the degrees of freedom are based upon the sensor inputs and the complexity of the ecu to control the controller the ability of the controller and also the calibration and the software and the speed of the controller so if you have a, an ecu on a steel chainsaw that's running the injector versus in the 2021 2022 pickup truck that's like i mean the, the average new car and I, I always say this car means pickup truck light duty van whatever the computing power in that ecu it would make make the apollo moon the moon rocket and what nasa had back then look like a kid's toy so <clears throat> so it's that range of control it's that it's that it's all those inputs and that and that quick response time because just because it's injected don't fall under the guise of thinking that it's this this wonderful cure-all thing to all the sins of the fuel delivery sins of the world because it's not you could have a fuel injector that's controlled by a, that's a very slow response injector and it's controlled by a analog old-fashioned very slow or minimal function even if it's a digital processing circuit a minimal function ecu and it's not going to it's 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 not going to be the same so just like you could have a guy who's getting 70 bushels per acre corn and a guy who's getting 500 bushels per acre corn all right it's not the same the yield is not the same so it's computing power but it, it's also the inputs and it's not really computing power i don't want to say that because that's a kind of a loose term but the thing is that it's the it's the ability of that calibration and what they're doing so it goes hand in hand so just like yield on a crop would go with with fertility the hybrid and also the population right if you put ten thousand seeds per acre in a cornfield versus 40 or fifty thousand seeds per acre population well obviously you're not going to get the same total yield from the field with ten thousand seeds as you would 40 or fifty thousand seeds so the, so it all comes into play so don't fall onto the guise of thinking that that you know all just because it's injected wow it's fuel injected and lots of times the carburetors are more defined than a basic crude fuel injection system and uh where i go for my haircut joe's barbershop in uh, oxford new jersey a few years back he bought a um that russian motorcycle a ural ural and he got a fuel injected one and the audience saying they're a nice guy and everything and he loves the motorcycle and they're proud of it and rightfully so but uh, I, you know, I wish he would have gotten a carbureted one because the fuel-injected one really was kind of crude. So it's fuel-injected, but it had a lot of cold start issues, cold idle issues, because <clears throat> it was a crude ECU and it was a crude calibration. They didn't spend a lot of time calibrating it, and it's a lot more involved and a lot more costly to calibrate on the manufacturer's level a fuel-injection system versus a carbureted system. And if the... And if the fuel injection system ecu is kind of crude which the ural is then all right well who knows i think you'd have a better you'd, you'd have a better driving experience with a carburetor in those particular instances so uh so just keep that in mind so now that we've established that so the the remember i said early on in the show today is fuel injection better than a carburetor well 
And I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to add to that. So if you're looking at emission controls, you're looking at steady, uh, you're looking at transient engine operations, you're looking at keeping the cat, the what they would call the engine out air fuel ratio at 14.7 to one to go to the catalyst under every load condition. Yes, it is better. It is it is better and more accurate that way. But what are the pitfalls of fuel injection? And I'm going to get into that because if you have fuel-injected engines, this is what you need. This is the meat and potatoes of this episode. Well, the pitfalls of fuel injection is that you're going to have at least one injector for each cylinder. And in a lot of new engines, they do what they call GDI gasoline direct injection, which has an injector that goes right into the cylinder, just like a diesel engine, and they have a port fuel injector. So in those particular applications, you would have two injectors per cylinder. So let's stick with the port fuel injection now, one injector per cylinder. So, And we use the standard bearer, an eight-cylinder engine in a pickup truck. So that means now you have eight fuel injectors on this engine so you know if you have one child versus eight children one cat versus eight cats one cow versus eight cows you know you have the potential of having more problems the more that you have right so if you have eight cats well this cat is this this cat is this this cat is sick this cat is missing this cat is ripping the rug what have you so keep in mind that that you now have instead of one carburetor using the standard bearer of an eight cylinder engine you have eight potential problems with a port fuel injection system and 16 potential problems if it's gdi and port fuel injection on an eight cylinder engine so what are the potential problems well you have to remember that that with a port fuel injection system that you have the potential for an air leak at each injector so a vacuum leak at each injector because the injector is usually sealed to the intake manifold with some sort of o-ring and over time that o-ring will dry out and it'll get hard and it'll start to leak and suck air so that is a potential problem so in that particular instance what you'll be doing is you'll be skewing the air fuel ratio on that one cylinder and there's not going to be any trouble code for air cylinder skewing the mixture on one cylinder all right so the thing is that that gets a lot of people into trouble so the best way for you to find whether you have an air leak around an injector is to use a propane enrichment tool or to use a smoke tester but a propane enrichment tool is very good to use and you shoot propane around and see if the engine idle stabilizes so very very common remember these injected engines have been around for a long time you have a 30 year old chevy 30 year old ford or dodge or what have you and it starts to run ratty because it's got air leak on one cylinder it has a culmination of air leaks whereas with a carburetor the only way you'd have an air leak on one cylinder it would be at the intake manifold the runner of the intake manifold but if you had a an air leak in the plenum it would affect every cylinder almost uniformly so so they're very prone to an air leak on one cylinder the other thing that they're prone to is that you could have an injector issue on one cylinder all right or multiple cylinders which will throw you for a loop so like i said you know more 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 fuel delivery points more potential problems right so the thing is that there is something with a fuel injector called a response time and the reaction time so the injector response so how long it takes for the pintle for it to move up off its seat and that uses an electromagnet and the way it works is that the ecu it feeds at 12 volts and it pulses the ground circuit so when that ground circuit through the ecu is completed the magnetic field is induced and that injector sprays fuel well as that injector gets old and 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 zillion literally zillions of billions of cycles and from the heat soaks to thermal transfer those windings get lazy they still open but they open slower so now let's say you have this eight cylinder engine and this one injector is opening slower well that cylinder is going to be leaner because it's not going to be it's not going to be getting its full fuel dose 
at the same time that it should and then it's also going to be spraying fuel after the valve is already closing because it's going to it's going to be just lazy it's going to well it may not let me take that back it may not spray it depends upon how the, the phase it let's just say it's lazy and opening so it's not going to get the full so that is another potential problem that and it usually lots of times it'll act the engine will run rough or actually have a, a misfire on once like that because the one cylinder whereas when you have a carburetor you're basically breaking the fuel apart and atomizing and setting vaporized fuel throughout the not that they cannot be what they call distribution issues with a carburetor but that's usually the part of the manifold design so if they design the manifold well then you could have a uh you won't have distribution issues so that's another potential problem that you have to think of with your fuel injected engines the other thing that comes into play is that you can't see in that injector and i've spoke about this many times is that the injector the based upon the fuel and even if you use the best fuel but you have to keep using some sort of injector cleaner that is going to remove the deposits from the injector because those deposits are going to form on that pintle and i'm going to use the word pintle some injectors use a disc what have you but same thing the fuel metering the part of the injector and when those deposits form two things are going to happen the injector is going to have a slower it may not have a physical because of magnetic slower rise time but the the pinter will have to lift further and unshroud further for it to start to atomize the fuel otherwise it's going to drip the fuel because remember the injector's job is to atomize the fuel where the carburetor atomizes the fuel so the injector job is to atomize break into small particles so if you have a lot of crud on there and then what will happen is that it'll start to drip and not atomize so now we had that and we have raw fuel on atomized fuel and then it's not going to want it still has to phase change as it goes into the port of the uh, the intake port of the cylinder but if it's not broken down into small particles it's not going to do a good job of phase changing so the injector is very 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 prone to deposit formation and that deposit formation is specifically going to affect the engine at idle and at light load when the injector pulse widths are shorter as the inject as the load comes on the motor it's still going to have the same effect but it's going to be a little bit more forgiving so keep that in mind you have this 25 30 year old engine and you have the injectors are dirty all right and the, they have deposits so the magnetics get lazy the o-rings start to suck air and the and the deposits form on the injector and that does allows it to not do a good job of atomizing fuel and it's just like this think of a spray tip on a sprayer that's plugged and all of a sudden there's a stream coming out or it's shooting to the left or it's shooting to the right or it's shooting straight down or what have you same thing that's a visual thing that's happening so that's another potential pitfall of the injector of an injection system over a carburetor which nobody wants to talk about oh injection is wonderful right well it's like anything in life it's got its negatives too now the other thing that comes into play is that with a port fuel injection it's injector for each cylinder is that the angle if you look at the intake manifold designers and the injector is rolled over so the injector as it sprays and atomizes the fuel it, it fans out and lots of times almost in every instance they realized because of its close proximity to the cylinder because it's right at the juncture of the intake port and the intake manifold and historically in most engines it's only four or five inches total length all right even though it curves around doesn't look like a total length for for it the fuel and air mixture to get into the into the cylinder and at that particular point it needs to be atomized emulsified and vaporized for it to burn so what they do is that they use the stem of the intake valve the fuel is designed to hit the stem of the intake valve and then break it apart 
whereas on a carburetor the fuel is being broke it's being broken apart by the booster in the carburetor and then the that, that travel time right remember we spoke about that travel time through the runner all right that's the velocity through there and it's banging around and it's tearing the fuel and breaking the atomized fuel into even smaller particles so, and mixing it so it can further emulsify and further phase change you don't have that ability with an injector at each cylinder so it's not this panacea that's so wonderful is that they use they spray the fuel against the stem of the intake valve and once they and to, to bust it apart like you would hit something like with a hammer mill right or with just a hammer busting walnuts apart so they want this fuel to come in there even though it's atomized to hit that valve and so it could break apart further than use the heat from inside the cylinder to phase change it so now what happens is that because you're spraying on the stem of the intake valve and onto the back side of the intake valve the intake valve itself is very prone to building deposits carbon deposits all right and the thing is that it's and not saying a carburetor engine won't build carbon deposits on the valve but an injected engine is more prone to building carbon deposits and even if you have a leaky valve guides or valve stem seal and you're putting oil onto the valve and you're building those deposits that are not from gasoline from oil will it affect the carburetor yes it will but it'll have a greater level of effect on a port fuel injected engine because not only because we're spraying right onto that valve and those deposits are going to wick in the fuel and then also they're not going to allow the fuel to be broken up and then what that will cause is a lean mixture at low port velocity and too rich a mixture at high speeds so that is another potential issue so if you look at injection all right the things you have to be concerned about to recap here is you have to be concerned with the o-rings leaking you have to be concerned with the magnetics that are responding quickly you have to be <clears throat> concerned with the pintle getting dirty that it's that it's uh that it's actually atomizing the fuel you have to be concerned with it spraying against the stem of the intake valve to break it up and then deposits forming on the intake valve that are going to impact the injectors the way the fuel is going to be atomized and broken up which in turn in any application remember if you have poor atomization you are going to have poor vaporization that's with a carburetor also so if you're dripping fuel down the booster of a carburetor down the venturi because the float is too high you're not tearing that fuel apart you're not atomizing that fuel and you're not emulsifying it properly and then what's going to happen is you're not going to have a full phase change of that so keep so so keep that in mind so those are the things that come into play with an injected with an injector another thing that comes into play is that an injected engine for the most part has an oxygen sensor which is going to monitor the air fuel ratio which was the whole reason why we have it injected to, is to keep the air fuel ratio within a very tight range now the thing basically is is that if that oxygen sensor starts to skew so it means it's, it's out of calibration and it could be out of calibration because you do a lot of idling because you burn some antifreeze through the combustion process or it just got skewed from being old and, and many many hours and miles of operation is that the oxygen sensor will drive the air fuel ratio richer so it'll think it's it'll think it's lean but it's actually going to be richer than it thinks it is and it has about a 25 percent range of control 20 to 25 percent depending upon the system now keep in mind because we're introducing fuel right at the juncture of the intake port and the um and the intake manifold to the intake port of the cylinder head that if you're running very rich and then again also if you are not atomizing the fuel properly because of the things i said with the injector and you don't have the phase change it is very easy to what we would call wash the rings out of a port fuel injected motor and wash the rings out means that that the air fuel ratio is rich enough that it's actually diluting the oil film on the cylinder wall and the piston ring package is is wearing excessively it's very very hard to wash the rings out from a rich air fuel ratio on a carbureted application 
versus an injected application only because you're basically spraying that fuel right there and it's going to wet the sil it has the potential to wet the cylinder wall and wash the rings out wash the oil off and that's what's called washing the rings out of the engine so you know so you have your older pickup truck or whatever it's got an oxygen sensor code that's running running rich i don't give a damn well it'll be very hard not impossible but it'd be very hard for you to wash the rings out as quickly as you can with an injected engine with you know coming from the drag race community coming from the race community a lot of guys would wash a lot of guys they would go on they'd build an injected engine they'd go on a dyno and they didn't know how to calibrate it that engine the rings were shot before they got off the dyno they'd wash they'd wash the rings right out of it so you need to keep that in mind that's why i always preach on your injected engines use a product like tecron which is a complete fuel system cleaner there's other brands that are excellent because you want to keep that injector functioning properly you want atomizing fuel properly and you don't want to and you want to clean the deposits off the backside of the intake valve and the combustion chamber there because you don't want that mixture to skew you want that atomization to happen because if it does not atomize properly then it cannot mix with air properly and repeating it emulsification and it cannot phase change and if it's not phase changed then you're going to have liquid albeit like an aerosol can small small particles of liquid in the zone it's going to wipe the rings out of that motor and and injected motor and it doesn't have to be a race motor injected motor is very very easy to wash the rings out of it and then this thing has low compression poor cylinder seal is a dog you take the head off of it and the cylinder walls are all glazed over <clears throat> you do a leak down test on it's got 30 40 percent leakage which would be very hard for you to wash the rings out to that level you could wash the rings out with a carburetor engine by running it too rich but like i said the idea of it you know it's just like i raise sweet corn right so the basic rule with sweet corn is you don't put any fertility in the furrow so everything that i do is two by two two inches away from the furrow a guy who raises field corn he's putting a lot of stuff in the furrow he's putting fertility in the furrow he's putting a pop-up in the furrow he's putting a uh, some sort of insecticide in the furrow but sweet corn is a prima donna sweet corn doesn't have all the gene modifications to it that allows it to be benign to that and some people say well, i put this in a furrow and it's fine well maybe the hybrid that he uses is benign to it but i you know at fifty dollars sixty dollars a pound of seed i'm not going to be playing with that so i put nothing in the furrow well the same thing happens so so basically with a carbureted engine is that you're putting nothing in the furrow so yeah can i still kill my seed by putting the too much stuff in the two by two of course all right but the thing basically it's a heck of a lot harder to kill it two inches away than it is in the furrow when the seed comes in contact with it and the same thing that happens with a carburetor it's very hard it's it's much harder to wash the rings out and hurt the engine when the carburetor is 18 inches away from the cylinder versus right there six inches away and spraying this fuel right into the cylinder and then when you come to gasoline direct injection the pitfall is is that this in this system needs to operate under a lot of pressure because 20,000 pounds 25,000 pounds versus 60 to 100 pounds for a port injection system all right or 40 to 100 pounds there are some that are 100 but usually they're 40 to 50 60 pounds of fuel pressure because not only does the injector have to work against cylinder pressure but it has no time whatsoever to break that fuel apart so it has to break that fuel apart right when it leaves the pintle of that dfi dfi a direct injection and in, injector and because that fuel still needs to phase change for it to be a of a a an acceptable fuel for a spark ignition engine so now the, that injector is living under those high pressures high temperatures and it's going to build deposits also but the thing is that so you need to keep those clean <clears throat> but the problem that comes about is that you can't clean on a direct injection system you can't clean the deposits off the backside of the valve all right unless you institute a chemical through the induction system and we've discussed that before on the show so to, as we get ready to move into the next aspect of today's episode you know keep in mind that like anything in life 
injection has its benefits injections has its pitfalls that's all fine if you know what to if you know what to look for but the main reason and and you know the other thing and i've said this in other shows i did a show a while back about injection is that because it's dry flow it gives more freedom in the intake manifold design and the length of the runners of the intake manifold are paramount as far as at what rpm the engine is going to make torque so the longer the runner the lower the engine speed that the engine will make torque and because you only putting air through that and that fuel you don't have to worry about it falling out of suspension so that is all fine so an injection engine has the ability to have more torque at low rpm but it's not because it's fuel injected it's because it allows more freedom in the intake manifold runner design so if you were to put a carburetor there at low rpm the fuel would fall out of suspension and why i say low rpm because of the low rpm there's low port velocity through the intake manifold so but as far as i wanted to establish with you is that there's certain things that you need to look for and maintain on the fuel injection system the fuel pressure is paramount the injector o-rings tend to leak over time and introduce air into the cylinder and the most common problem is lazy magnetics and deposit formation <clears throat> on the pintle of the injector which could be handled chemically through treatment in the gas tank but you have to do it and you can't expect 50 60 100 000 miles worth of deposits to, to be eradicated with one tank full of additive so the thing basically is is just like if you neglected the ground on your farm you can't expect to throw some uh some lime on it and some nutrients and bring it back it's a build process right because you mined it well this is well you didn't mine this you basically neglected it and you and you mined all the cleanliness out of the injector and the valve the stem of the valve and the back side of the intake valve so you're not going to just like you're not going to build your soil back up in one season you're not going to so the thing basically is to not mine your soil and not mine the cleanliness i'm using the word mine the cleanliness of the injector and the pintle but people don't want to believe this uh right and i mean i have 450 000 miles on my little escort never put injectors in because i took care of it all right so the thing basically is is that not saying that you can't have an issue i'm not going to deny that but it, that's proof of the putting that it that you don't have to have an issue yes it's like anything i mean you could have an issue so but keep that in mind but you know as as you know time moves forward and these engines get older and they bring more fuel injected fuel injected gasoline engines onto the fob i felt that it's very important for you to understand these pitfalls of this system so now what we're basically going to do is we're going to bring tex rubinowitz in from ripsaw records and he is the hot rod man so come on in tex all righty text thank you so much so we got hey it's a new year we got a new toolbox test all right we got a new question so here we go buddies the pre-owned tier four diesel the tier four diesel combine that you recently bought has set a code for ammonia slip according to the service tech that came to the farm to check out the problem he told you that this is the first time he has seen that code and is not familiar with it ammonia slip all right i'm repeating it the engine runs fine with the code erased but you would like to get to the bottom of the problem at a meeting you attended the other night you asked some friends that are up on this stuff and this is what they told you farmer a says that the code identifies unreacted diesel exhaust fluid being put into the scr system which is selective catalytic reduction farmer b thinks the scr system failed farmer c says there is no way ammonia could get in the system so the code is false and farmer d believes that the turbocharger is going bad so you guys think about that while i answer a 
reader's letter and he did not tell me who he's from so i don't can't tell you that but he writes my name is jim and i want to ask you about using aftermarket hydraulic oil in my older tractors a ford and a john deere i just figured i can buy one fluid and also save some money thank you all right jim well thanks for writing in i don't know much about your tractors from your note so you say they're older that's fine whether they're older or newer or what have you so it makes no difference the thing and i've spoken about this before on this show and it's a, it's something that never that it never gets old is that the fact of the matter is there is no true contrary to what the label on the on the jug or the five gallon can container of hydraulic fluid what some people call tractor oil there's no true industry standard for that so even though i may say meets john Deere spec this or ford spec this or new holland spec this or what have you there are many different specifications that a fluid needs to needs to meet and the thing is that so think of it this way so let's say you and i jim could we go out and we for lunch right we meet at commodity classic and we go have a hamburger well i hate pickles and i don't like and i like ketchup on my hamburger i like my hamburger well done and i like bacon on it and i put a lot of pepper on it and i i don't like mayonnaise so that's how i order my hamburger and when the waitress comes you order your hamburger with mayonnaise extra pickles mustard and no bacon and you want it rare all right we both are eating a hamburger but you specify the specification for your hamburger is different than the specification for mine but they're both a hamburger and so the take-home message here is that there are requirements just like you like your hamburger one way and i like mine another way that each manufacturer has for their hydraulic fluid slash tractor fluid that a a generic aftermarket brand cannot does not meet so it may meet one standard so yes you may say you want your hamburger well done also but yours is loaded with pickles and mine has no pickles yours is loaded with mayonnaise and mine has ketchup yours has mustard on it and and i have ketchup i have bacon and you don't have bacon on it you have uh, lettuce on yours so those are the things that are different that's why every manufacturer tells you to use their brand of hydraulic fluid because it's going to have the additive package that is designed for the i'm going to use the word palate just like you bite into that ham oh man these are good pickles you're saying and you're saying to me it's good pickles i like i'm going i hate pickles right so the thing basically is so the tractor itself so maybe one aspect of the seals or the pump design or the or or the piston or the way to is saying well i i i don't like the pickles that are in this fluid so that may be a you know a crazy analogy but the thing is that the best thing is if hydraulic fluid is not a consumable unless you got it leaked then you got to fix that right it's not a consumable so put the recommended fluid the brand specific from ford which would be new holland put the brand specific right from the john deere dealer and yeah so you have two cans of fluid i know it's a pain in the neck but it's a lot better over time the machine will be happier and you'll have less time and money spent on repairs and the system will function as it is designed to all right so that is something that you need to uh, look at so let's get back to our toolbox test now and remember we have a a combine here with a tier four engine diesel engine and it's got a code for ammonia slip so farmer a is correct the def that is being injected into the scr is not fully not fully converting which is known as reacting the issue may be caused by the doser which is the injector that they call it a doser instead of injector that sprays the def the scr being too cold when the def is injected or the catalytic material being coated so what's happening is that some systems have the ability to have a sensor at the end of the scr and they read any leftover ammonia so it's just like an well it's not like an oxygen sensor but in theory it's like an oxygen sensor where it's reading the oxygen content in the exhaust but this is designed to read ammonia and if it's reading a, a high level of ammonia then that means that that scr system is not fully 
reacting they call it reacting or converting the diesel exhaust fluid which is urea and water very it's what's called automotive grade urea it's a purer urea form than you would use in fertilizer and so it's a lot left over so the thing basically is that uh that's what's showing there and it could be it could be a dirty injector doser it could be a number of different things but i think what i'm going to basically do is in the near future because we're getting more questions on this and these scr systems are getting to be um i don't want to say older but they've got some hours and some mileage underneath them specifically if you're buying an older and not that old but a a used semi or you can't say used anymore pre-owned semi right the whole grain and it has an scr system you start going start to going to see some of these these issues with the tier four system because of age mileage and hours on them so but that is what ammonia slip is so it's and not every system reads ammonia slip so not every system has an ammonia slip sensor uh at, at the end of the line there i'll say right after the scr with a selective catalytic reduction system so uh, some of them do some of them don't but i think as time goes on you're going to see more of that and with newer with newer equipment 21 22 23 and then you know so down the road four five six seven years that that may be an issue and i know that we have a number of uh custom harvesters and custom applicators that listen to the show and you know that's something for them because just like a guy who's running a a delivery service running a taxi cab so let's say you're running a delivery service and you're putting a hundred thousand hundred twenty thousand miles a year on a on a on a 40 conoline van well in three or four years you're gonna have four hundred thousand miles on it right uh almost five hundred thousand miles in four years versus a guy who's putting fifteen thousand miles a year in four years he's gonna have sixty thousand miles so what we call that that's a fast feedback a fast uh a fast feedback you're gonna see you're gonna start to see potential issues down the road quicker in calendar months than a person and the same thing is let's say with a custom harvester or a you know a custom applicator you're running a you're running a rogator sprayer all day long versus a, a farmer who has a, a what we would call an engineering captive sprayer that he owns it and he, he could farm a lot of acres but he's not running it all day long you're running your sprayer all day long or your combine or what have you so you get a fast feedback on this and that's why uh somebody may say oh what the hell do you care about that for you know i'm gonna see it for five years well a guy who's a custom applicator may see that in one year so that is important for uh, you as my audience to be aware of that so thank you so much for tuning in today and for listening and i just want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved you have a blessed blessed day and i'll catch you next week thanks for listening bye bye